Hi, this is Kev Lakes Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined by Claire Free. And uh, Claire, are you well? I am very well, thank you. Yes. Wonderful. And uh, you contacted me a few weeks ago saying that you got this new album out and would I play something from it? Well, let's go one step further than that. Let's talk about it, shall we? Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, this is, is this is your third album or fourth? Well, it's my third released album. I've got another album that I haven't released, um, which is an acoustic album. It went out very briefly, but then the death of somebody who was very influential in the album changed my mind at the last second. I, I think about 50 copies went out and that was it and then I pulled it back and it's it's sitting in my cupboard <laughs> so technically it's my fourth album I suppose but it's the third album I've got out what was it that got you into music in the first place then um well I've always been into music um but not necessarily into blues I started off my musical career for want of a better word aged about 12 when I was sent for classical piano lessons um which I quite enjoyed but my piano teachers didn't enjoy them quite as much as I did because I used to take a piece and decide I could play it better or, or improve upon what was on the sheet in front of me. So I'd learn it, get bored of it, rewrite it, take it back to my lessons and get told off. <laughs> <laughs> but my brother was learning to play the electric guitar about the same time. And I said to my mum, 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 I want an electric guitar. <laughs> and she said to me, well, you've played the instruments and you've kind of, you've done okay with them, but got bored and given up. Why should I pay for any more lessons for you? If you want it, you'll buy it yourself and you'll pay for your lessons. Well, I took that as a challenge. So I did. And because I was doing it myself aged, uh, I, was, I was quite late to it, about 17 or 18. But because I was actually working a Saturday job to fund it and I was paying all my birthday money and everything for guitars and lessons, it didn't half make me focus. Mm. I got a great teacher. I've had a couple, I've been lucky actually, I had a couple of great teachers, uh, one called Richard Atkinson and one called Pete Sherborne, who um, are both still in close contact with me, which is lovely. And Pete particularly was a blues guy and he sent me to a local blues jam. He said, go and play. Um, and I was atrocious, absolutely atrocious. Um, but I was so embarrassed that I went home and practiced like a demon. So the next month I could be a tiny bit less atrocious. <laughs> Is that how you came into blues music? My brother was quite into it. And he'd been buying that series of blues collection or whatever it was, magazine that came out. Oh, yes, ago. I used to get that myself. Yeah, he'd been buying those and learning the tracks. And I had been... I was really into things like Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses and quite rocky bands. Um, and I was listening to the yeah, it's all right, it's okay. But, in, uh, you know, I was 17, I was very much under the influence of mates at that point. And saying you liked blues wasn't exactly the coolest thing <laughs> I could say. <laughs> so I quite liked it, but as I, it wasn't until I really studied it. I think I learnt it by, by proximity and loved it through proximity rather than it immediately being something that I loved straight away. I, I, a bit of exposure made me love it more than I loved it the first time I heard it, if you know what I mean. And I think it was because when I first heard it, I was listening to things like Robert Johnson, and when I was comparing that to Slash as a young guitarist, I was thinking, <laughs> um... <laughs> Did somebody point out to you that if, if it wasn't for the Robert Johnsons, you wouldn't have people like Slash? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. All my teachers kept pointing that out to me. And in fact, 
as I got more and more into it, and I, you know, I came across Albert Collins and B.B. King and Buddy Guy and all these guys, I became more and more and more obsessed with it and broke numerous... And these days, it was a cassette player, actually, I was using. I think CDs were around, but I didn't have them. So mm. I spent all my money on guitars. But I broke so many cassette players learning to play guitar by pressing rewind. <laughs> <laughs> the buttons fell off. And, you know, yeah, it was, it was definitely... Um, it was definitely, I, I, was, I just learnt the blues and actually I had my, my teacher Pete Sherborne said to me, if you're going to learn to play a Stevie Ray Vaughan track or a Buddy Guy track or whatever, you have got to learn to play it not okay, it has to sound exactly like the original. Mm. And that was really, really uh, important thing he told me that day, that made all the difference to how I learnt to play stuff, because I'd, I'd been quite keen, I was slightly rushing I think until then, and then he made me really listen. Yeah. Um, and and then then you couldn't tell the difference. And that was great. And when I was playing, my my mum would say, oh, "I didn't realise that wasn't a CD playing." That was when I was like, "Okay, you know, I'm obviously going somewhere with this now." Yeah, well, you play the various festivals, and you get the blues purists that say it should be like this. We're into our Chicago blues, and it's got to sound like this. But the blues is just so all-encompassing. So you take influences from all over the place. You do, it, especially now. I think it's getting broader and broader. In fact, actually, so much so that actually I've decided to go back and do some um, proper blues. I'm going to do a couple of proper, proper blues tracks. Not like, you know, the sort of acoustic, but uh, sort of early-ish electric tracks. Right. Um, because I think it's really, really interesting to see how far it's come, but I don't want to lose touch with the roots of it. And I, I think there's a lot that can be done with some of the older stuff in terms of ways you can ways you can play it and I'd, I'd love to have a, a couple of I mean I, I always play blues but do you know what I mean I, I, in my mind I see like some of my latest stuff I see it as a, it's quite largely rock with a hint of pop and blues and it's all mm. mixed together um, but these tracks I've been working on recently are much more old style like a cool trade descriptions that came out um, back in March the single yeah that I consider that to be proper blues it's almost like everything could be lumped into the blues category if it doesn't fit into the pop category now. Mm. Um, well, I mean, maybe not funk and R&B, but if it doesn't fit those categories, if it's clearly not rap or R&B or pop, even even rock gets put into the... You know, if it's, got, it's, it's a very flexible category, whereas I think you know, pop or R&B isn't so much. So I don't know that much about them. I, I don't, not in the detail, I know blues, but... I get the impression that, that there's a definition on the edges of the boundaries of what it is. Well, a bit more defined with those sorts of genres. It's, it's like this new categorisation that's come out in the past five or ten years, Americana. It's just, yeah, yeah everything is yeah. Americana. Anywho, we go off a tangent. You have been described as the finest blues guitar songstress in the UK. How do you feel when you hear something like that? Um... <laughs> I, I never quite know. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to be told. I'm one of these people who will always think people are clapping to be nice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, I when you heard that or saw that comment, were you like, oh, shucks, no, go on. Well, you know, you blush, don't you, when you see something <laughs> like that, and you think, oh, that's, that's a nice thing to say or hear. But, yeah, I mean, there are some, there are some other fantastic players around, so... I'm not a particularly big-headed person. I'm very pragmatic <laughs> about everything. So I'll just say, oh, that's nice, dear. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, not, not dwell on it too much. Also, similarly, when you get nominated for all these awards that you've been nominated for, because a lot of them are chosen by the fans, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, and um, 
that's always nice. And and also people who are in the industry do not. I mean, I have actually had an award for a couple of years, but that's, you know, maybe a little bit more than that now. But I don't do it for the awards anyway, and it's nice if you get them. But when people are picking you for, the, for them, they are actually people from the industry. They're coming from inside the industry as well. So that's really nice to know that your work's been recognised as being of quality mm. or of importance in some way. I think that's lovely, and that's always nice. But as I say, again, it falls into my ego thing of, oh, yes, lovely, that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> now, you play solo and with bands. Do you yeah. feel more comfortable on your own, or do you like that comfort blanket of a band around you? I am equally as comfortable with both. Right. Um, my focus is switching, actually. Having all the pandemic has affected things quite a lot, and my focus is now for the time being switching to the band for these recordings and uh, wanted to get the band out to do some gigs and not doing so many solo gigs I was doing absolutely loads I was doing I don't know 70 or 80 solo gigs a year mm. um, which is it's nice but it's also it, it, it's, at this point in time it's not so easy to sustain that level of giggery if you want to a better word oh no that's a good and word I like that giggery yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I like them both. I'm, I'm, I've done big gigs and small gigs with both. So, you know, I played at the Apex Theatre supporting Joanne Show Taylor, and that, God, I don't know, the capacity is there, 2,000, 3,000? I right. did that solo. Absolutely fine, no problem at all. And I've played at the Dog and Duck with a band, you know. So yeah. I've done, done, done them all each way, and I, I'm equally comfortable. I think the thing I like more with solo is that if I go on a tangent, that's okay, because I know where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But with the band, I love the interplay between the people and the the the, the vibe that you get on stage. So it, it, yeah, I love them both. Going on about bands, uh, misdemeanor. Do you still oh have God, contact with them? Back. Oh, I yeah. did my research. You know, I don't just chuck this together. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you still have contact with the band members from them? Um, I have more contact with Jeannie, the singer, than anybody else, mm -hmm. uh, who's moved back to Australia now. Sadly. Well, I mean, she's probably quite happy about it. I'm sad because I'd like to see her. But, um, yeah, so the other guys, I, I'm not really in contact with them so much. I mean, God, it was, what was it, 20 years ago now? So we've all gone off and done our own things since then. But yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen band members around the place and, and Matt was on some of the things I went out to in Mustique and he was out there. So I've certainly seen him. And uh, yeah, and Chorus, uh, Constance and Morris are doing their thing with Ben Tyzak, which is great. One thing that I saw in the research, you were the opening act at the Mustique Blues Festival every night for three weeks. That's right, yes, that, indeed. That must have been one hell of a gig. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, <laughs> lovely, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I got to Nigel Kennedy one night. Right. <laughs> that was kind of, he just wandered up and played with some, some stuff and we did a, there was a jam and it wasn't just me, there was loads of people there. and He said, yeah, there's jazz and blues. I said, and I was like, okay, cool, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> just, it was that kind of level of strange. I remember he left his bow on the, the step, so sort of three steps up to the stage, and he left his bow just kind of lying across one of those steps, and I nearly stood on it, and I thought that would probably be, require a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, your debut album came out in 2010, Be Who You Are. Was that something that had been on the back burner for a while, or were you encouraged to go for it? Well, I'd started writing 
the material quite a long time before and had done a few bits and pieces of EPs and I mean, this was in the days before I really knew what I was doing in terms of how to put it out. I'd record stuff and then not really know what to do with it. So yeah, when that album came out, it was a little bit of a, an amalgamation of some of the material of that. So it was, had been a long time coming and I'd wanted to do an album that was slightly eclectic. It is a slightly eclectic album, that one. And uh, yeah, it was fun. And that was that was a good fun album to record, actually. A couple of years later, you did Dust and Bones. Yeah, Dust and Bones was a um, like that, that was a, a blinder of an album to record. That was a really interesting one to do. And uh, the bass player and drummer on that, oh my god, they're just amazing. <laughs> but then you took a couple of years out to raise family, and now you're back with a new album. Where are you now? That's so right. were these songs that again had been on the back burner or did you add them specifically for this album well this album was um it was an album that came about much quicker than i was expecting it to and it came about because i had an opportunity that i couldn't say no to and that was i met um richard flack he's robbie williams's producer mm-hmm. and i met him and i jokingly said oh he's produced the spice girls and tina turner and Ollie Murs and Kylie, all these people. And I jokingly said to him, oh, just to produce my next album. And he went, you're all right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, um, yes, okay. <laughs> but I'm not quite ready for it, really, in some ways. He said, don't worry, send me everything you've ever written. And I said, well, some of it's appeared on previous albums. He said, I don't care, it doesn't matter, send me everything you've ever written. Um, so I sent him... He must have spent weeks listening to so much stuff I sent him. But I sent him everything I'd ever written. He said, right, I'm going to choose the tracks of the album. And he chose them. He picked every single track. And, uh, yeah, and he produced it and mixed it for me. Um, um, and I couldn't really say no. <laughs> and the band that you've got on this album, is this your regular band? Then? No, they were meant to be. But as time's gone on, they've all had different commitments and things have changed around a bit. So, um, no. So I've got a different drummer now. I've got a really amazing, young, very young drummer. He's only 22. And then my bass player, by the purest coincidence you can imagine, lives 200 metres down the road from me. And I would have chosen him regardless of whether he lived 200 miles away, but he just happens to live literally on the corner of my road. Right. <laughs> Which is incredibly convenient. <laughs> is Bob still on harmonica and backing vocals? No, Bob wrote, no, Bob's not a regular part of the band. Bob owns the studio right. um, that we recorded in and he's an amazing player himself. And he said, oh, can I? Can I do these bits and pieces um, for you? And I said, yeah, of course. And he did it all perfectly. He's a very, very talented musician. So it was, it was uh, lucky he was the owner of the studio. He owns it and he, he co-produced it as well and did uh, all sorts of helpful things, yes wonderful wonderful guy to work with he's working on the next recording which is we're doing in the autumn so bob will be there i'm quite sure bob will be there on the recording as well as behind the desk if you know what i mean so you got another one lined up already it's not an album no i'm going to do some singles i'm not quite ready to do another album i don't feel i I find doing an album particularly because i do it all on my own i don't don't play all the music but i do all the organization on my own it's almost like organizing a wedding and it can get quite tiring for me Mm. and i have you know, other commitments with the children and things. So also, I, I just, I'm still in, wanting to flex a little bit as to what which direction I go in the next few songs that I write. So I want to do a few singles. So I'm going to go and do these things. I've got another single, actually. I haven't got around to putting it out. I've got another one to come out uh, at some point, and then these will be a couple more singles coming. So 
So yeah, will, will these be in the style that you were talking about earlier, going back to... Yeah, they're going to be the real, bl- real deep blues. They're kind of really bluesy, as bluesy as you can get. Um, and has the subject matter been inspired by recent events? By the pandemic? Mm. No. No. <laughs> Have you steered clear of that deliberately? Um, no, I just only write about things that I feel really affect me on a very intimate level. So I don't, or I only write things that are 100% relatable to me in terms of things. So the pandemic has affected everybody. And I'm sure there's plenty of material. It may still be that it's lurking somewhere deep inside my songwriting psyche that it will come out. Mm. But at this point in time, it doesn't want to come out. It's not rearing its head as a subject matter for me to write about. So um, there's there's two other subject matters that have been more pressing. Songwriting for me, I don't. Some people just write words, whereas I started off songwriting as a poet and and then put the music to the poems. So songwriting for me is more about. Um, really expression and I have to have something to say or I won't write a song I could I, I, there's frequency with which I will write a song and then can it because I just think well you know that's just words and music and it doesn't mean anything to me it, it's, it's quite quite high so uh, I have to actually have something to say so the pandemic well it's decimated the music industry hasn't it it's yeah. horrendous but yeah. frustratingly I put my own album out in the early March last year mm. that was a very bad timing because I didn't know that about the lockdowns coming I, at the time I put it out it was just when it, it, it was all still something that was happening in another country but yeah. only just and then it came over just immediately after I put the album I was like oh that probably isn't, isn't great and then we went into lockdown and it, unfortunately I felt that I hadn't really been able to make the most of the album after all the, the excitement of it being done in this amazing studio and being produced at mastered at Abbey Road and I think it was out two weeks before we came on lockdown which was really frustrating that's one reason why I'm slightly surprised that you're going to be doing some new material later in the year when you've not really had a chance to tour and promote this album yeah I'm only doing a few songs this year um, I'm not I'm not rushing it because I think I've still I, I found the pandemic very artistically um, numbing I, I, I found I couldn't do anything during it I, I, I didn't even play my guitar I just put it in the cupboard and I honestly didn't see it through the whole of the lockdowns I just didn't want to get it out um, and that's very normal for me because I can be very um, I'm very affected by things so if I'm sensitive I suppose but it's not a nice word to use because it makes me sound like I cry easily but that's not <laughs> what I mean I'm, I'm, I'm a environment I'm influenced by my environment so if if something's not right I won't play I will just put the guitar down and I don't ever make myself play I just wait until I feel like it again and then pick it back up Do you have long periods of barrenness for want of a better word and then yeah. periods of intensity Yes, absolutely, very much so. And I, 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 you'll frequently hear me saying, that's it. I've decided to give up music, I, I'm not doing it anymore. That, I say that about once every six months. And, <laughs> and I say it very convincingly, and then so, <laughs> come back to it again. What <laughs> I mean, I think, is actually I need a break from it. And I, I, you know, I, I've sort of, I just want a time, a time out from it. And that comes and goes, and now I recognise that. I can say, oh yeah, yeah, actually, that's not me wanting to give up, it's just, I need a I need a rest. Yeah. Um, and the pandemic has given me an epically large rest because I didn't want to play at all. I just wanted to leave it alone. And, and as I say, I think they picked the guitar up just once and twiddled around with it in a fairly half-hearted way and put it back in the cupboard. Um, but now I'm writing like a demon and wanting to play and, and getting frustrated when I can't play as many hours in the day as I want to do. And that's great. That means that's, that's a real artistic role for me. 
it's nice that restrictions are being eased slightly. I just hope we don't go too far too soon. I could talk to you for hours. I really could. Uh, but thank you for sending me your music. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, been a pleasure. Um, I might pull the, pull the pants off you again. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, there was so much stuff I wanted to talk about. I looked at the clock. Good grief, we've been talking for nearly half an hour now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to edit this down to get it in the show somehow. Sorry. No, I don't. Can do a short version. <laughs> no, it's been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Take care, Claire. Take care. Okay, bye. bye. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.